Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from Storyteller Academy. Learn the art of storytelling from published authors, illustrators, and editors at Storyteller Academy. Sign up today at StorytellerAcademy.com. Wonderful. Also, happy belated book birthday to one and recent book birthday to the other it's but kept me busy i'm sure it has <laughs> i um uh yeah i mean this is publishing though right like one year I, you sell however many books and they all end up being five years apart or all the exact same season or you just it just kind of happens well yeah it's out of your control i mean i sold these books really far apart but yet they're coming out back to back and that's just the way it works <laughs> boy Kids become what they hear. That is a truth spoken by my guest in today's interview, and it's a truth I just cannot shake. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 498. I'm your host, Matthew Winner, and today I'm joined by Pat Zietlow Miller, author of Remarkably You and When You Are Brave, two recent picture book releases that we talk about in our conversation. Remarkably You was inspired by the seven ways of being smart, also known as the seven intelligences, and celebrates everything that makes every kid different. When You Are Brave calls the reader to look deep inside themselves for the strength to be brave, despite all your circumstances or subconscious might be feeding you. Two books speaking many truths and affirming many beauties in the children who will read them and in the grown-ups who will read to those children. Please welcome my guest, Pat Zietlow Miller, author of Remarkably You and When You Are Brave. I'm Pat Zietlow Miller. My pronouns are she, her, and hers, and I write picture books for children and adults. Pat, it's been how long since we've been trying to get ourselves on the book? I feel like I've been a fan on social media for a very long time. Oh, and likewise, I love your podcast, and I'm thrilled that we finally were able to coordinate and get me on it. Ah, me too. And I feel like, as this always happens in in booking guests, I feel like it was the exact right time because of these books you have out. Uh, the exact right time, as I told you before recording, because when you are brave is the message I needed for my soul. And remarkably, you is this beautiful, affirming message that I just smiled and smiled looking at my daughter as I read it. So yay for both timings. Oh, I'm excited about both those books, too. Thank you so much. So why don't we start with Remarkably You, because 
that one came out uh, you know, a little bit before the other, uh, and and I feel like it's also written uh, for a, a little bit younger audience. Um, so would you mind introducing Remarkably You to those who have not yet become acquainted with it? Okay, Remarkable You is a picture book that I wrote and Patrice Barton illustrated. Uh, it's from HarperCollins. And it's a rhyming picture book that's all about celebrating the things that make each individual person remarkable. And I wrote it because, you know, if you've ever read, there's an educational, educational theory that there's seven different ways of being smart. And schools sometimes only reward certain ways kids who maybe who are athletic or kids who get really good grades or kids who maybe are talented in music they tend to get a lot more recognition than kids who maybe have less visible or quieter talents and i wanted the book to celebrate everything that makes every kid remarkable even if they're that quiet sort of invisible kid in the back of the class they've got something awesome that they can celebrate that makes them wonderful did this come from school visits or children in your life or just a general sense of love toward children, which I am very aware that you have? <laughs> well, I mean, obviously a general sense of love toward children, <laughs> but both of my daughters are very different kids and have been from, from little on. And it, having both of them and seeing how different they were made me sort of realize what I talked about before, that, that some talents get more public recognition than others. And so, um, that's probably what inspired it, inspired it. But when I wrote the book, I made a list of like everything I could think of that would make a kid remarkable. And obviously it wasn't a complete list, but that's kind of how the book came is like, like I thought of all the kids I knew and you know what they did and what they loved and kind of went from there. And then just sort of organized it. Yeah, exactly. And then I know when Patrice was doing the artwork, she took my list of words and she did the sketching, you know, off of that. Um, and if you look at the book, the, the end papers of the book, and I love end papers and picture books, they're like the <laughs> coolest thing. Um, she has a list of all the different words and traits and skills, and then she has little art on top of it. And the words are all from my text. And I just thought that was such a cool way for a kid to go, oh, that's me. I see myself there and there and there. I thought so, too, with the verbs paired with adjectives and just find where you feel like you connect. There's yeah, No, go ahead. Oh, when I, I showed it to my youngest daughter before it was even in final book form, she read it and she said, oh, and that's me. And she pointed to, to one of the things. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's what I hope kids do is that they can look at it and, and say, that's me. There's so many moments here, too, that I felt um, are just wonderful to, to sit with. And maybe maybe it is actually because you were trying to encompass all children, all stories, that there were moments that I slowed down because it caused me to think or remember or connect with certain individuals in my life or maybe even myself. But uh, the moment that really held me first was um, this beautiful picture of a child looking out through a telescope, through a spyglass, and it says, no matter your volume, your age, or your size, you have the power to be a surprise. You have the know-how, you're savvy and smart, you could change the world. Are you willing to start? I love there, Pat, that Patrice has made the sky a, a, a blue wash globe in the background. Yeah, she, she and I talked about that. She said initially she had a child looking just at like a globe like you'd find in a classroom and that wasn't fast enough. So then she expanded it to the, the telescope and then 
the sky with everything that she added behind it. There's a lot of beautiful touches. If you look at her art, it's almost layered. You know, you think you've yeah. seen it, and then you go back and look again and say, oh, and she did that, um, which I think is really, really cool. And you just probably quoted my favorite part of the book, so thank you. Oh, that the I love, too, that you're saying the image wasn't vast enough. Much like, I mean, some of these children, I feel like this is, that's the whole exercise that you're doing in this book from my vantage point is trying to say, you, you contain multitudes. You are so much. You're not just this thing. I really adore when you go through this. I'm going to, I'm going to just keep reading to you. Oh, you go ahead. I mean, the, when you're talking about how you might identify yourself, who you might be, you, you start naming these jobs, but then you blend them. And I just find I adore it. You say, you might be a helper who's first on the scene, a speller, a builder, a jump roping queen, a swimmer who knits, a cellist who cheers, a mutt-loving cat cuddler who volunteers. And then my favorite line is, you are a blessing, a promise, a prize. You're capable, caring, courageous, and wise. That comment there, Pat, I am not even lying. I am writing that on my journal, my planner for school, <laughs> and I will be looking at that. And I will even write, instead of quoting you, I'm just going to write, Pat says you are. <laughs> um, I, that, uh, again, that, that way that you affirm the multitudes that are in each, each reader that will encounter this book is something that I really found, uh, both restrained and also expansive. And that's sort of a weird approach to, to, to say about this, but I, I feel like you really, whatever that massive list of words were that you came up with <laughs> that um, it served you really well. I'm glad that you see children in this way, not just your own, but I'm, I'm glad that I'm glad to know that you're out there really seeing kids. Well, I think kids and people in general kind of, become what they hear, you know, and become what people tell them they are. And so if you can tell them you're capable, caring, courageous, and wise, I think people tend to rise to the expectation and, and believe that. And I think, you know, sadly, there are some kids who don't hear that. Um, they only hear what they're not or, or where they're not performing well. And I think everybody deserves to be affirmed and recognized for what they are doing well and their own unique gifts, even if they come with a certain set of challenges too. See that beauty right there? See what I'm talking about? Uh, what well, is this? Uh, I, and stop me if I'm getting too personal, but do you, was this growing from a great nurturing that you had um, by friends and family as you were being raised, perhaps by your parents? Or is this something that this this love, uh, I guess I'm asking, has it, do you find that it's always been there? Or is this something that having children and working with children has, has gifted you? Well, I was very fortunate. My parents always believed in myself and my brother and my sister. I mean, whatever we did or wanted to do, you know, they were supportive of. They were like, oh, of course you can do that. Why wouldn't you be able to do that? There's no reason you couldn't do that. And on the occasions where we might have said, oh, I don't think I'm good enough to do whatever, you know, they said, well, yes, you could. Yeah, I mean, and they always my parents were a big proponents of hard work. And so there was always, you know, you're going to have to work for it. It's not just going to magically happen. Um, but I was always very supported um, by my family. So that was good. And then, you know, when, when you start raising children of, of your own, especially when they're very different in their outlook and temperaments and gifts, 
it sort of reinforced the message for me, like, okay, well, what is this one good at? And how can I encourage that and, and help make that happen? You know, and then, I mean, I've been fortunate. I've gone on some national school visits where I've seen kids in different states and different cities and in urban areas and in rural areas. Um, and that really has influenced my work as a picture book writer. When you actually see your audience, like right in front of you day after day, after day, after day, um, it, it did change how I write picture books. I am glad you're seeing them and I'm glad you're writing for children, but I have to also point out, or I have to ask about, um, something that I heard on the Kidlit Women podcast when you were on, which by the way, I loved your episode. I think, I hope I went onto social media and, and told you as much. I love making sure that we all are hearing from one another when we connect with one another. But Pat, I heard that your day job is not the day job that I expected. What did you expect? I think I expected, um, that, you know, once you sell a million picture books that you get to just wear your bunny slippers around the house <laughs> and drink your tea, much like us librarians all wear cardigans and carry cats around the library. <laughs> I just expected, um, not to find out that a person that, f that a person writing books that feel so, so deeply connected to children would also have a day job that isn't also working with children, which now that I'm saying that I'm realizing that might be quite exhaustive, but, <laughs> but that you don't, you work with, with grownups all day. And a lot of them perhaps don't even know that, that you have this <laughs> sort of Wonder Woman-esque night job as well. <laughs> yeah, it's like I go into a closet and flick a switch and suddenly I'm a children's book author. I'm a children's oh. book author. Could you imagine that? I don't know what the costume would be, but it's yeah. amazing. <laughs> Pajama pants and maybe the bunny slippers. <laughs> yes. I mean, I, do, I work at an insurance company, a Fortune 500, insur Fortune 500 insurance company during the day. Um, my job is word related. I'm an editor. So I look at things before they go out to the public. Um, and I'm the, you know, does this follow corporate style? Is it spelled right? Does your comma really want to go there? Don't you think that should be two paragraphs? I do <laughs> all that kind of stuff, which I like. I mean, I really do like to edit, but it's it's very, in some cases, dry and technical content. I mean, you know, it's about why should you have umbrella coverage? And, you know, what happens after you get into an auto accident and you file a claim? And it's very, so I'm, I'm, it makes me a smarter person about those topics. Um, but it is very different. And I do hope someday, as much as I like my day job, that I could just become a cat carrying, bunny slipper wearing, children's book writing person. Because it's a little hard to balance sometimes. But, but so far, so good. And that's the story, though, for a lot of people, isn't it? That yeah. it it it's rare or uh, long earned in order to be able to get to the, the 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 place where you're able to just focus on one thing or the other. I mean, I write, uh, I, I I write. I haven't sold any books uh, at, as of recording, but I'm also a full time librarian among doing other things, and I I understand that feeling of of stealing away time to write. I understand that idea of how you make time because it doesn't feel like work. It feels like an escape and a joy. But do you remember what first interested you in uh, writing for children? Perhaps you were writing all the time, but I wonder if, if that was also while you were working in insurance. Oh, yeah. I mean, I have loved picture books forever. I mean, when I was in fifth grade and we were sent to the library to work on whatever project, I'd like sneak off into the picture book section and like hide and read picture books. Um, so when I look back, 
Yeah, I know. I'm like, I should have known because, you know, I was always reading picture books. Um, But it took me a while to go, oh, well, maybe I could write one, you know. And then when I was 19, a freshman in college, I did write a draft of a picture book. Um, And I always tell kids that, you know, this was before the Internet, which makes me feel really old. But you couldn't just Google how to publish a children's book. I had no idea what to do with it. Um, So I looked in a book I liked, wrote down the address of a publisher, mailed it to that one publisher got a form rejection and kind of went, oh, well, you know, I tried, whatever. Um, And then I didn't try again for 20 more years until I was 39. Um, And that's when sort of the light bulb went off. And I went, you know, I have always wanted to do this. Like, if I don't try now, like really try, I will regret it when I'm 80. And so then I started treating it like it was a part-time job. Like I'd come home from my day job and instead of watching TV after my kids were asleep, I would write and I would research. And by then the internet existed. And so I could look things up and talk to other people and figure things out. Um, but I did have that 20 year gap in there that I sort of wish I didn't. I wish I had pursued it a little more aggressively when I was 19. Uh-huh. I mean, the plus side is, is like, I have more life experience. I was just you know, going to say, I, <laughs> I was going to say these books wouldn't be the ones you'd be publishing 20 years ago. That is true. I mean, also Definitely publishing true. was different 20 years ago, but but it was that life experience. I love that um, that you're saying too that you treated it like a job that you that that you uh, saw that goal and then sort of envisioned what what it would take in order to to meet that goal. Oh yeah, definitely. I can be pretty tenacious when I decide I want to do something, <laughs> and I just decided like I was going to give it absolutely every ounce of energy and effort that I had. Um, and I did have a lot to learn because while I had always written for my paid job, it was, you know, writing a newspaper article or a magazine article or something for an insurance company. It wasn't fiction. Um, and it wasn't picture books that have their own very specific structure and style and approach. So I had to learn all that. Um, but I'm, I'm so glad that I tried again and, and gave it everything I had. Hmm. Well, I want to talk to you about this other picture book that you have that, that came out most recently, actually just about a week ago as of recording this. But before we get into that, I also want to say that I, as a you know 38-year-old man, um, experienced that feeling that I really love when it happens to readers or even to myself. Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from the Little Feminist Book Club. Little Feminist wants to help you diversify your child's bookshelf. Each month they send one to two books featuring characters of underrepresented backgrounds, and Little Feminist spends months consulting with a team of educators, librarians, and parents to pick each book and create a suite of hands-on activities to accompany them. Go to littlefeminist.com and use the coupon code WINNER for $5 off when you order or click on the link at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast and get started today. Raise good humans one children's book at a time. Which is that when I read this book tonight, this time of reading it, it it really was like that right time and right message and that bond and then going into this recording was something that's <laughs> making me quite emotional. So I'm going to do my very best to be as articulate as possible over the next 10 to 15 minutes, but I can't promise that I won't be talking through some tears. So it's okay. bef- as I take a deep breath, Pat, could you please introduce the listening people to When You Are Brave? 
Okay, When You Are Brave is a picture book I wrote. Eliza Wheeler illustrated it. It's published by Little Brown Books for Young Readers. It came out March 5th. And it's a book about finding your inner courage and using it to be brave when things come up in life that you'd rather not do. Um, I'm a huge Harry Potter geek, and so I once described it as it's a book about creating your own personal Patronus, which if you aren't a Harry Potter geek, you're going to go, what is that? But uh, inherit the Harry Potter world... A Patronus is something that you create with your wand and it protects you from Dementors, which are evil, you know, Harry Potter beings. Um, and then this book is about creating your own Patronus to protect you and to help you get through life. It's sort of about mindfulness, mm. if you want to use a, a better word than Patronus. Um, but yeah, that's what that book is about. Um, Pat, I totally want to use the word Patronus. And also, <laughs> can I ask you, have you done all your Pottermore profiles? I have not done my Pottermore profiles, oh, but I've read the entire Harry Potter series, okay. like each book, like 10 times. I've won Harry Potter trivia. So nice. yeah. <laughs> Pat, what what house do you feel like you would probably be placed into? Ravenclaw. Oh, I love that. You can lead us all. I'm a Hufflepuff <laughs> through and through, but that means I'll be cheering you on the entire way. <laughs> so you wrote this beautiful book. Oh, I should say part of what also makes it so beautiful is Eliza's illustrations. Oh, yeah. This story told separately and together through words and through art of a girl who's moving, her family is moving, and the way that the colors, the shadows, the, the to me, a feeling of being underwater, these like blues and greens and dark shades um, that just pervade every page um, until until she finds the light. Uh, I found to be something that really went, again, I think hand in hand because of the words and pictures, they really allowed the reader to go to a dark place, to go to a vulnerable place, to look inside, to be introspective. Um, and I, I love how in this story it was that 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 warm steady safe light it's in you all along that braveness it's there you don't have to find it you don't have to go searching for it you don't have to do something to accomplish it you just have to believe that it's in you already it's kind of like the wizard of oz you know dorothy had the power inside her to go along all to go home all along she just didn't realize it and your bravery is in you it's there and you just have to recognize that so that's kind of the message of the book. The the feeling, if I could, of of here when she arrives in this big city, she's looking out the window and it says, at times like these, the world can seem too big, too loud, too hard, too much, while you feel too small, too quiet, too tired, not enough. Man, if Eliza just didn't leave that not enough page. We go on, on that page turn for those that have not seen it yet. First, we are in the back of the car, the back seat of the car, looking out the window with the girl. We're on her side. We're looking out at this busy, busy city of people bustling around and lots of serious faces and a baby crying and stuff going on. And when you turn that page, and it just is the entire dark city the sun not yet rising the cars um you know with their headlights on just amid the shadows 
that that is a feeling of aloneness that is a sad sad <laughs> feeling for me i suppose i'm putting myself on it but i feel it i think eliza did such a beautiful job because if if you just look at the text alone that i wrote it it doesn't really give you a setting or a character it's it's general um, I think Eliza once used the word distilled to describe it, but then she, in her art, created the character and the setting and the date and night, or uh, the night today, the transition, um, and the way she used the colors. It's just this beautiful story about transformation, and I think her art just took it to another level. Um, I think I told you this before we started recording, but when I wrote the words, I didn't sit down and say, I'm going to write a picture book, and it's going to be about bravery. Um I was going through a period in my life where some things weren't working out the way I might have hoped that they would, and I was feeling a little bummed. And so I started just writing myself a pep talk. Like, what did I need to hear so I could move on and get through and be okay? And what I wrote is basically this book. Um, and usually when I write picture books, it goes through a lot of editing and a lot of changing. And sometimes what ends up in the book on the shelf is quite different than the first draft that I created. This book stayed remarkably close from my pep talk to myself to what ended up on the page. And I think it might be because I was just being honest. I was just, I wasn't yes. trying to create anything. And when I finished, you know, my pep talk to myself and I read it, then I kind of went, maybe somebody else would want to hear this too. And that's how it began its journey to being a picture book. Mm. Pat, I wanted to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, it was just like this. And so the result as a as a reader, I feel, is that it's almost as if you're passing that knowledge to us. That you're passing that that acknowledgement that I've been there. I've been in a place where I doubted myself. I've been in a place where it's hard. Whether or not it's it's you identifying with this character driving uh, across the country, or if it's just you feeling alone, feeling dark, having a hard time finding that smile. I and wonder, I think, Pat, do you have the do you have the book in front of you? I do not, but I generally remember it. <laughs> that I I um I would love for you to read us to the light, if you don't mind. If you generally remember it, I'm thinking of the the phrase that begins, "You can make your courage." so big it brightens your heart do you know from there if not i'd be i'd be honored to read back to you i know it's something about so it fills your fingers and flows to your toes but i don't think i could recite it you i'm, I'm gonna go from there because <laughs> you i know you know it i mean these I are the know. words on your heart you this is after after to, to to place this for the listeners um you you mentioned to on those dark days to look deep inside and find the courage you need. And she's envisioning this small, small start that turns into a spark and a flame. You go on to say, you can make your courage so big. It brightens your heart, fills your fingers and flows to your toes. Think about what you're good at, something you love or someone who loves you. No one else will see it but you'll know you glow and you'll know you are ready. And I'll leave all of the rest for the listeners 
See, fine. you read it better than I could have. That was lovely. But what 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 we can't do in a audio podcast is express that when you are ready is when Eliza brings the sun up and the orange rays of the sun come to the page and the smile comes to the girl's face and it's just I found Pat I found that it illuminated me those words became a light in me and I'm not I'm not speaking <laughs> perhaps so much in hyperbole as I mean no really it's been a rough couple of weeks and I read that and went there is a light in there and it's okay and I'm okay and I'm safe and all these words that come back to me in therapy but are also right here in this beautiful beautiful book and incantation that you wrote in that way well thank you I think a lot of times for adults especially it can be really hard to admit that our lives aren't perfect and we aren't completely happy all the time and that maybe we have struggles with self-doubt or sadness or anxiety or whatever it might be and and I think you know admitting that and sharing the story and hopefully kids and adults will see it and go, Oh, I felt that way too. And it's normal. It's not weird. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with me. Um, and it will get better. And there are things I can do to help make it better. Um, I think this is the book I probably needed the most as a kid. I was a pretty timid kid for quite a while until I was able to, you know, figure out what I was good at and step into it and, you know, develop some confidence. But this is probably of all my picture books, the one I needed the most as a kid. I am so glad that not only did you need it, but you allowed yourself that time to write it. Uh, you allowed yourself that space to submit it, to consider it as a book for children. And that you're allowing space for your reader right from the title. It's not, you are brave. It's not like, let's celebrate how awesome you are. It's when you are brave, which allows that space for, you may not feel it now, but it's going to be a feeling that you'll be able to own. And that's to me what this book is all about, that we can't give you, I can't gift you bravery um, nor can I really tell you, oh, you know what? I think you're really brave and just have you believe it. It's got to be something that, that, that you identify in yourself. There's so Definitely. much strength in this book, Pat. I got to love it so much. Thank you. Thank you. So we, we talked, we talked about remarkably you and all of those affirmations. We talked about when you are brave and what it means to speak to your younger self in all of this conversation, though, was there anything else that we that I didn't ask about either of these stories that I didn't ask about your writing or your process that you want to make sure people have a chance to hear? That's a good question. Um, they're very different books. I mean, one of them rhymes. And for me, even though I love having written something that rhymes, writing in rhyme is a much more challenging thing to do on almost every level, your initial draft and then any revising you do. Um, it just takes longer. So that, that book probably followed more of a traditional picture book process for me of writing and revising and revising and writing and showing it to my critique group and revising again and showing it to an editor and making even more changes and, you know, repeat, wash, rinse, every, you know, it took a long time to get it to where it is. And I'm very proud of where it ended up. And then when you are brave was sort of the opposite where I wrote something very simple 
and it stayed very true to what it was. So it just, you know, writing picture books doesn't always follow the same process. They can be very, very different to get to your end result. I'm, I'm glad that that is a perspective that you can articulate and hold on to. Uh, I'm sure that it will serve you and many of us writers in the future to know that we can't always force it to be the same. You have to listen to the story <laughs> and let it be the process and the way it needs to be. I am just marveling at you and your heart though, Pat. I, I just want you to know what a gift I think uh, it is to have your books in this world and to have your words be able to affect readers the way that I, I know that they are affecting readers. No, I'm just so honored that I get to be a picture book writer and I get to write books that go out in schools, you know, because you, you write them and you release them into the world and sometimes you don't hear much and sometimes you do from teachers and schools and parents and you get pictures and letters and stories. Um, and I'm just honored every time I know that something I wrote made a difference to a child or their parents or a family situation they were going through. It's just, it's the best feeling in the world. Mm. That is awesome. Well, on that note, why don't I bring you back to my library where children will be waiting tomorrow morning. Pat, <laughs> they will. It's a full week. <laughs> Pat, I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you? Yes, I would tell them that they each have a story inside them and that it's a story worth sharing. And maybe it's worth sharing through a book, but it doesn't have to be. It, they can share their story through a picture they might draw or an activity they might do, or even if they just sit down and whisper it to one other person, their story is worth sharing, and I hope that they find a way to share it. This is Darshna Kiani, children's author and book blogger. Want to find out the latest South Asian books and children's literature? Check out www.flowering-minds.com forward slash South Asian Kidlin. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com forward slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individual's and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out with the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. Before we leave, I want to give a shout out to all of my patrons, those folks who are supporting the podcast and keeping the lights on care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Jenny, Sue, Amy, Sarah, Kate, Lisa, Darshna, Marianne, Jarrett, Anitra, Mike, Lynn, Link, Karina, Cynthia, Elaine, Doug, Judy, Amanda, Ruth, Laura, Teresa, and others who are coming with me on this journey. You're welcome to come with us too. Just visit patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner and pick the support tier that's right for you. Teamwork makes the dream work, and each of you are helping to provide the tools necessary to make this podcast even greater. Thank you.
We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cosy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.